0: Good morning. Happy Father's Day. Thank you. Today we are starting a four-week teaching series looking at what transpires, what happens when Jesus comes back. We'll be looking at four passages in the books of 1st and 2nd Thessalonians which you will be reading over the next couple of weeks in our Bible reading plan. So this morning, Go ahead and open your Bible, please, to the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4. And while you're doing that, let me thank you for praying for Monisa and me as we were for the last week and a half in New Orleans attending the Southern Baptist Convention, also a few days of vacation. Wanted to have a little fun, so one day we did an airboat ride out in the bayou of Louisiana. And and, uh, I tell you, it's fun when you... Hold that food out there and feed those alligators and watch them jump out of the water to grab it. If you've never done that, you need to at least once in your life. Go for it, okay? But um, we also um, enjoy going to, you know, historical sites and learning. So while we were there, we did a couple of on the, on the way down, this was me. Monisa didn't want to do this so much, but she loves me. It's Father's Day. So on the way down, we stopped in Montgomery to pay homage to Hank Williams and see the Cadillac in which he died. And for those of you who don't know who who Hank Williams is, ask somebody older than you and they'll they'll fill you in. But we also uh, spent a day at the Whitney Plantation, which is the only plantation in America that focuses completely on the slave experience. Most plantations talk a little bit about that, but that's not the focus. This is solely focused on the slave experience and that was very very informative and you learn most plantations we also spent a full day at the world war ii museum in new orleans how many of you have ever been to the world war ii museum raise your hand if you haven't do that someday spend a full day there there's a lot to see and it's very inspirational and when we 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 do that a lot because we like looking at historical stuff. But all of those museums, the focus is on what has happened. And we need to know that. We learn from it. It helps us make better decisions today. But the focus is on the past. In this sermon series, we're focused on the future. And not what things are going to happen leading up to the second coming of Jesus. But what will actually transpire, what will take place, what will happen... On the day he comes back, the very moment Jesus comes back, what happens? That's our focus in these four sermons. First Thessalonians is a letter the Apostle Paul wrote to believers in the city of Thessalonica, which was located in northern Greece, if you will, or ancient Macedonia. It was a new church. The Christians there were relatively young or new believers because Paul had started that church, planted it on his second missionary journey. He had since left. And he had taught them many things, including some things about the second coming, and they had some questions. For instance, some of their members apparently had died, Jesus had not come back, and they were afraid that believers who died before Jesus came back would miss out on all the blessings of the second coming. And so Paul writes this letter in part to answer that question, to explain what happens to believers when they die and what will their experience be at the second coming of Jesus. And so we're going to look at two passages in 1 Thessalonians and then two passages in 2 Thessalonians. Today we are in chapter 4 of first Thessalonians let me see your Bible written copy electronic hold it up wave it at me always bring your Bible with you to church let's read together first Thessalonians 4 starting with verse 13 and see what we can learn verse 13 he said we do not want you to be uninformed brethren about those who are asleep those who have died So that you will not grieve as do the rest as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. Those who have died as believers. Verse 15. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord. Jesus himself had taught this apparently to Paul in some way that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Those believers who are alive at the second coming will not precede those believers who have already died. Verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain, believers who are living when Jesus comes back, will be caught up together with them, with the deceased believers, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Four things I want you to see About the second coming. What will happen? What will transpire when Jesus comes back? Four things in this passage. And here's the first thing. When Jesus comes back, everyone will know it. Despite things you may have heard from others over the years, this passage makes it crystal clear. When Jesus comes back, everyone will know it. It won't be a secret, it won't be a sneak attack in and out, and nobody be aware of it. It's going to be loud and it's going to be visible. Now notice verse 16. The Lord himself will descend from heaven. It's this same Jesus that came the first time is coming the second time. In the first chapter of the book of Acts, when Jesus, after his resurrection, ascended to the Father, two angels appeared speaking to the men that watched Jesus go back to the Father. And they said this same Jesus... This same Jesus that you've watched go into the clouds, this same Jesus in the same way will come back. It's a personal appearance of Jesus, and it will be loud. You can't miss it because he says in verse 16, when Jesus comes, he will descend from heaven with a shout. With a shout. That is a word used for an army officer shouting, commands at those under his command a captain a lieutenant a general shouting out arguments or assignments and instructions if you will to the troops a command to the troops the voice of the archangel executing the command the shouted command of king jesus you'll remember in the gospels Jesus said at his second coming, he will send his angels to the four corners of the earth and they will gather his people. And so the angels, under the leadership of the archangel, will execute the command given by Jesus at the second coming. And the trumpet of God, trumpets were used different ways in ancient times and in the Bible But they were used to, at times to call people together for an assembly, call people together for a gathering, if you will. And So here's this image of King Jesus coming back, and he shouts out a command that will be heard over all the earth. The angels executing the command of God to gather the people of God, the saints of God, the living and the dead, and the trumpet calling all of us together. Now, brothers and sisters, does that sound like a quiet experience? it will be loud and it will be visible he said jesus himself the lord himself will descend from heaven revelation chapter one verse seven says that he jesus is coming with the clouds and every eye every eye will see him so when jesus comes the first thing we learn is it will be visible it will be loud Everybody will know it. Everybody will see it. And everybody will hear it. The second thing we learn that will transpire when Jesus comes back in this passage is deceased believers, those who are followers of Christ who have already died, they will be the first to know about it. They will be the first ones to know it. Look at verses 13 and 14. He said, we don't want you to be uninformed about, you know, your brothers and sisters who have already died. They've fallen asleep in Jesus because we don't want you to grieve. Verse 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God, notice this, God will bring with him. God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. Now. It was very common in the ancient world for people to refer to death as sleeping. But they thought of it in terms of an eternal sleep. Most people in the ancient world had no hope of an afterlife. Some did, but most didn't. Most religions, most philosophies in the ancient world, they believed that when you died, that was it. You were in an eternal sleep from which there was you you never woke up and there was no consciousness it's an eternal sleep about 250 years before Jesus a greek poet wrote this he said hopes are among the living the dead are without hope about 50 years before Jesus a roman poet a latin poet wrote this suns referring to the sun in the sky suns may set and rise again But we, when once our brief light goes down, must sleep an endless night. And so most of the ancient peoples live without any hope of any life beyond this one. And here comes Jesus. Here comes Jesus' followers. Here comes the Bible. Here comes the New Testament. And sometimes, not always, but sometimes still uses sleep to refer to death, but they redefine what they mean by sleep. It's not an eternal sleep with no consciousness. It is a temporary sleep, if you will, of only the body. It's a temporary rest for the body. It's like, well, this afternoon, myself and many of you, at some point in our home, will take a nap. We'll find the couch, the recliner, and we'll doze off. And it's a temporary rest. We're still alive. Our body's just resting. And the Bible refers to death as sleep in a very similar way. It's your body taking a temporary nap until the second coming, but you're still alive. And you still have consciousness. Because the Bible teaches that as a believer, when you die, your body in that grave takes a temporary nap. But your consciousness, your soul is not there. Your consciousness, your soul is with God. Philippians chapter 1 verse 23, the apostle Paul said that speaking for himself, having that he had a, had a desire to depart and be with Christ. To depart from this life, to depart from this body is to be with Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 8, the Apostle Paul said, We prefer to be absent from the body. What is to be absent from the body? It means I'm separated from the body. To be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. So when we die as believers, our body takes a temporary nap, rest in the grave. But our consciousness, our soul is still alive, alert, and is with Jesus, with God in heaven. And I want you to notice in verse 14. Verse 14 he says, If we believe, if we believe, God will bring with him, this is at the second coming, bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. How can Jesus bring with him those who are dead when he comes back? It's not their body, that's asleep in the grave. He brings with him the soul, the consciousness of believers who are with him at this very moment who have already died. And when Jesus comes back, he brings them, their soul, their consciousness with him. Raises that slipping body from the grave and changes it. And body and soul are united. In theology and doctrine, we refer to this as either the disembodied state or the intermediate state. The disembodied state referring to the to the fact that, that when I die, my body sleeps in the grave. But my soul is not there. I'm disembodied. My soul, my consciousness is apart from my body, is with God. We refer to it as the intermediate state because it's that state, that time, that condition between life on earth and and life with my resurrected body in heaven. It's the intermediate state. Now, what exactly does all that look like? We don't know. A lot of debate about that. What the Bible makes clear is that when you die as a believer, your body sleeps in the grave temporarily until the second coming. That's when somebody will, you know, Jesus will come and tap you on the shoulder and wake you up, like your wife, guys. She's going to wake you up at some point today. Jesus will wake that body up. That's the resurrection. But your consciousness, your soul is with him and comes back. And when he raises that body, notice at the end of verse 16, he says, The dead in Christ will rise first. The sleeping body of deceased saints will be raised from the dead. It will look like you, but it won't be the same body. The Bible makes it clear. Flesh and blood will not be in heaven. It's your body... But miraculously, Jesus transforms it, totally changes it at the second coming so that you have a resurrected, glorified, spiritual body fit for heaven. Flesh and blood's not fit for heaven because flesh and blood dies. And so just as Jesus was raised from the dead with a spiritual body, when you are raised from the dead, you will have a spiritual body. It will look like you, it will be tangible, it will be real, but it will be different. A spiritual body ready for heaven. And so Paul is saying to these believers, hey, don't you worry about your brothers and sisters who've died before Jesus comes back. When he comes back, Everybody's going to know it. And when he comes back, they will be the first ones to know it because the dead in Christ will rise first. They get their blessings before anybody else. So don't don't you worry about them. Now, here's the third lesson. When Jesus comes back, believers who are alive at that moment, living believers, will ascend into the clouds Meet Jesus in the air, be with him forever, and the eyes of the world will be watching. The eyes of the world will be watching. Verse 15, this we say to you by the word of the Lord. He had some revelation from Jesus that we who are alive and remain Till the coming of the Lord will not prevent or precede those who fall asleep. They rise first. Those who are alive at the second coming don't get their blessing before the dead believers get their blessing. Now drop down to verse 17. Verse 17. Then, after those are raised, then we also who are alive and remain will be caught up. Caught up together with them, with the resurrected saints in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so we shall always be with the Lord. Now, caught up together with them into the clouds. That word caught up means to seize, to grab, to to carry off by force. When the dead believer is raised from the dead, he didn't do it to himself. The power of God raised him. When you as a living believer, when Jesus comes back or caught up, you don't do it. The power of God catches you up. It's done to you. Be caught up together with the deceased believers who have been raised and transformed. But listen, you won't have the body you have now either. Those deceased believers, when they are raised from the dead, they are transformed and given a spiritual body. An eternal body fit for heaven. When you are caught up, miraculously, God does the same thing for you without you ever having died. Your body will be transformed into a glorified body, a spiritual body, a heavenly body ready for heaven. In 1 in Corinthians, rather, First Corinthians 15, verses 15 through 52, the Apostle Paul said this He said, Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of god that's pretty that's pretty straightforward flesh and blood will not be in heaven look at verse 51 behold i tell you a mystery we will not all sleep we're not all going to die some will be alive when jesus comes back but all of us will be changed deceased believers their bodies will be changed when they're raised from the dead living believers our bodies will be changed when we are caught up verse 52 all of this will happen he says in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound so he's talking about the same experience we read, we read about in 1 Thessalonians 4. The trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. So all of us at the second coming who are believers will receive that new spiritual body. If you're deceased, raised and changed. If you are alive, caught up and changed. So notice how quickly all this is going to happen. In the twinkling of an eye, as long as it takes you to blink, everything I've talked about for the last 20 minutes will happen. Jesus will descend, shout a command, the angels over the earth execute his command. The trumpet sounds, the dead are raised and changed, the living are changed, and together we're caught up to be with Jesus forever. And it all happens in the blink of an eye, and everybody on earth is going to hear it and see it and know something has happened. But only believers will enjoy that day. In this passage, he doesn't discuss what happens to the unbelieving, to the lost. He'll do that in some of the passages we'll look at in the weeks to come. He doesn't discuss it in this passage because that's not the question he's answering. These young, new Christians wanted to know what happens to their loved ones who were believers and die before Jesus comes back so that's the question he's answering he's saying here is what happens to believers whether living or dead when Jesus comes back he'll talk about the lost in the next chapter and in 2 Thessalonians but not in these verses that's not his purpose here don't read any more into it than that so when Jesus comes back everybody will know it When Jesus comes back, deceased believers will be the first ones to know it, but they'll only know it a millisecond before the rest of us. And when Jesus comes back, living believers will be caught up in front of the whole watching world. Now, here's the fourth and final teaching about the second coming in this passage. I've already alluded to it. All believers, living or dead, all believers will join with Jesus in the sky on that day and we will be together be together with him every day after that forever verse 17 that's what he says and we shall always be with the lord now two tuesdays ago a week and a half ago and i started our drive to uh new orleans we're going to take two or three days on the way down and I don't like driving through Atlanta, so I prefer to go through Augusta. Shoot me if I have to drive through Spartanburg-Greenville in the north side of Atlanta. Just shoot me. Put me out of my misery. So I, I, it's just as quick and as an easier drive. I go through Augusta in the south side of Atlanta when I have to go to the other side. Well, on the other side of Columbia, our son Stephen Lee lives. And so since we're taking our time, we stop because he lives about four minutes off the interstate. So we stop to see our grandbabies. And uh, we spend about 45 minutes. Just, you know, quick visit to see the grandbabies. Not Stephen and Sarah, grandbabies. <laughs> then we get back in the car and go on. Well, if you, you, you want to know the other part of it? Like a lot of you, when you leave, you know, you won't take your garbage off, right? So I put two bags of garbage in the trunk and drove past the convenience center forgot about it until I got to Columbia so I stopped at Steve's house to get rid of it. Well, that and to see my grandbabies. And we go, on to, we go on our drive. One of the things that me and other pastors love about attending the state convention, the national convention, things like that is we get to see people we've known for years that we really love and care about but we don't get to see them that often because they serve all over the world. And we get to see them, and we may not see them again for another year or two. One of the many things I love about the second coming of Jesus is once he comes back, there's no more goodbyes. We're all going to be